Hallelujah. We're going to talk about obedience. Now, the word obedience simply means this. It means submission or compliance to. It means to render oneself to another's counsel. It means to conform to someone else's will. It means to submit or to give oneself over to another's command. So when we talk about obedience, we talk about a submission, a total devotion to a purpose or to a plan, to a command, or to an opinion that God holds, not ours. We are not people of opinions. We are not philosophers. We are Christians. And that means that we serve God and that we have surrendered our life and we have asked Him willfully to conform us to the image of His Son, Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 27 down through 29. Now, in Acts 5, 31, it says these words, How hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him, that obey him. In other words, when we get born again, we do not receive the Holy Ghost. We receive the work or the re Juvenation, the renovation of the human spirit. We are baptized into the body of Christ or the likeness of Christ. That is the work of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that John baptized with water because of repentance. But there is one coming after me that will baptize with Holy Ghost and with fire because of repentance. And so we are baptized into the body of Christ. But then the Holy Ghost is given to those that obey him. Somebody say obey him. All right. So here we begin to see the condition that the Holy Ghost requires of a believer in order to minister, to influence, to lead, to guide, or to take his rightful position, God's desired position in our life. So we're going to talk about what happens when people disobey, don't walk in total obedience, know what they should do, but don't do it. What happens is that the Holy Ghost is rendered useless. Now, disobedience certainly is a sin. Somebody say a sin. Disobedience, when we reject the Holy Ghost or the commandment of God, to believe upon his son in any way, shape, or form, to believe any work of the redemptive work of Christ, what we do in Acts, the seventh chapter, verse 51. Could I have that on the screen? This is where Stephen is talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He has preached the gospel to them, and they have rejected it. And it says, But ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, Ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your father did. You know that when we disobey God, it is as it were a stiff-necked, uncircumcised act of resistance 
against the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? Stiff-neckedness simply means that you are intolerant or you are violently opposed to his leadership. You take a stand and you find yourself fighting against God. Against God. The word uncircumcision simply means that you have become hardened in heart, in ear, and in eye, and no longer can hear with any reason God's will for your life. Now, that is a resistance of the Holy Ghost. When you and I disobey God, we take a stand against Him. You can't say, well, I just didn't want to do that. No, that is an act of stiff-neckedness and uncircumcision of heart and ear. Now, that's what it is. That's one act. The second is, if you will go to Galatians 5, 16, and look through 21, Galatians 5, 16, the first is that when we disobey God, now, I know that we live in a world that we do things and there are no really immediate ramifications. Don't ever think God is like the world. God's long-suffering is not condoning, and it's not acceptance. I'm just telling you, when you start unbelief, disobedience, faithlessness, when you start it, what happens? It becomes a seed of a stronghold. The devil, ever so subtly, just starts one thing. Adam and Eve didn't eat the whole garden. They didn't burn it to the ground. All they did was eat of a piece of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just one. That's all it took. But it built a stronghold that brought separation between God and man, even to the point today where men don't believe in God. Where did that begin? started in the garden. It didn't start when they were born. It didn't start in today's society. Today's society is a result of the garden. Come on. It's a result of the garden. Now, here in Galatians 5.16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice what it said, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then it says this, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, these are contrary one to the other, that you cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are these. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now listen to what I'm going to share with you here. Idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. And I hate to say that lots of Christians are involved in adultery and fornication. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're damning yourself. You're fighting against the Holy Ghost, and you're going to find yourself on the end of a stick of judgment. And you think that little sexual act that lasts average two and a half minutes is worth all that? And anybody that would send your soul to hell to gratify their self and you call them in love, and you bear your heart and your soul to them, and you reject God, I just have to say, shame on you. Amen. You need to see the cross again. Amen. 
Did you hear me? You need to see the cross again. All right. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immunizations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings of such like of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past that they that do such things shall not inherit, shall not inherit, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Not now, nor in eternity. Now, go to Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. I want to show you what these things right here are. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's right. And you have, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now, everything that I mention, and that is listed in Galatians 5, 17, down through 19, are the lusts of the flesh. Here it says, the lust of the flesh is born out of a spirit of disobedience. So when you do any of the things that are listed in Galatians 5.19, oh my God, I didn't know. Now you do. When you do those things, it is more than you just doing them, trying them, falling into temptation. It is the seed of disobedience. And notice that it said, this belongs to the children of disobedience. So you understand that when you start doing those things, you break the covenant of adoption and you make yourself bastards. Amen. Oh, you're cussing. Oh, that's in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 5 on down through 10. But you make yourself a bastard and you become a son or a child of disobedience. So just tell me what is so fulfilling in sin tell me oh well, well sex is so satisfying really that's why you need it all the time it never satisfies. it doesn't satisfy at all now for the moment it does except with Phyllis it's, it's forever it's satisfying <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying to you it promises you fulfillment but all it brings to you is damnation and a new identity and a new birthright, a child of disobedience. Now, it's time to stop this type of stuff, and it's time to grow up in Christ. You say, oh, you preach a hard gospel. No, it's very simple. You can do them or be damned or not do them and be blessed. I, I don't, I, how can you preach whatever you want? You have to preach the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. So we understand that we that do these things are going to do what? We are going to hinder the Holy Ghost so that he cannot do that which he desires to do. In other words, we know that he desires to lead us, to guide us. He desires to influence us. He desires to bless us, promote us. All of those things are going to become null and void if you walk in disobedience. So let's not do it. 
So that's the second thing. The first is you can be stiff-necked and uncircumcised. The second thing, you can allow lust to run in your life, then become a child of disobedience, but you'll always be fighting against the very thing that God wants to give you. And then the third is found in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 29. Let's look at that, Ephesians 4, 29. We're talking about doing away with things that will stop the Holy Ghost. Remember, he gives us the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. So there are restrictions and conditions. If you get start living a life of obedience, disobedience, the Holy Ghost is going to begin to be shut down. You're going to resist him. You will fight him yourself. It doesn't take the devil. It'll be you and the Holy Ghost. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Next verse. And grieve not, grieve not the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking be put away from you. Let's stop right there. All bitterness. I hear people say this. Well, I'm just hurt. Well, why do you think you're hurt? Well, so-and-so. Look, you're smarter than that. Look behind so-and-so and realize the devil recognized you were in a vulnerable place. He used somebody's ignorance or their insensitivity or their circumstance, and you took it wrong because really at face value, they never would have done that. But in your condition and in their condition, they say something, you get offended, you get hurt, you get bitter. What do you do? You've fallen on into the trap of the devil that you are going to grieve the Holy Ghost. Now, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, but now he's powerless, and now he that is in the world is going to beat you up. Oh, but, 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 but what? You ought to live in my shoes in one day and hear a hundred criticisms. Oh, you offended me by what you said. How long have you been attending here? 25 years, and I've only offended you once. I've helped you for 24, 99, so many minutes, so many hours, and you heard one thing and you're offended. Well, bless your heart. Welcome to the goof club. What is wrong with you? But people do that, see? Why? Because of their condition. They hear wrong. They listen wrong. Their situation makes them vulnerable. And instead of being wise as the devil, they become bitten by him with bitterness. And that, you know what bitterness leads? The root of bitterness leads to an unbelief in God. I don't know about you, I'm not that dumb anymore. I'm, you can't offend me. Do what you want. I've grown up to realize that if you do offend me, it's not even you. It's the devil behind you and the devil trying to work with me. You can do whatever. You can't make me not like you. I'm going to bury you in love and you're going to be miserable. And every time you think of me, you're going to say, I can't believe he's not affected by my bitterness. No, you die in your own root of bitterness. I'm not biting that tree, hallelujah. 
Let's be smarter than the devil. How long does it take somebody to learn that it's, it's not the individual, it's the devil behind them? What if I really believed half of what Phyllis said about me? I know it's the devil. Listen, folks, get a hold of yourself. Let's stop being children. Let's grow up and be Christians. Amen. Amen? And let's realize no matter the, what comes against us, let's not let it grieve the Holy Ghost in our life. Amen. Amen. Now back to the verse. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind, you're kidding me, one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. The third thing that we do, that the Holy Ghost is an act of disobedience. We know that we are not to let these things affect us. We give place to them. That's disobedience. That's disobedience. And so we have to stop grieving the Holy Ghost. Could I get an amen? Remember, He's done nothing wrong to you. Why does he deserve to be separated from his purpose? Because you and I are stiff-necked, uncircumcised, disobedient, and we grieve him by disobedience. So we need to stop that type of stuff. Could it get an amen? All righty, praise God. Now let's turn our Bibles to Romans 8.14. Romans 8.14 you know, I've been preaching for about 35 or 36 years. I've been pastoring for 34. And I read these scriptures, and sometimes I say, God, you know, people know them. They've heard so much that every time you mention it, they automatically relate to the passage, the scripture or the preaching they heard before, and then they click off. He said, well, they've been doing that for me for years. But keep preaching it. Amen. It's still the truth. Amen. Amen. Romans 8.14 says this, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, I have mine. That's all I need to read. I have my saying, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they show forth evidence of being born of God. In other words, they that are led of the Spirit of God... They walk in the fullness of their sonship. And when we are not led by the Spirit of God, we are on our own. The worst thing God can do to us is leave us to ourselves. But here it says that if we are led by the Spirit of God, we can move into the fullness of sonship. Now, let's say that we start a life of disobedience. Small things, just small things, you know, like, I don't want to do this, God, and I don't want to do that. I know I should do this, but I'm not going to do it right now, and duh, 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 on and on and on. I know I shouldn't think like this, but I get pleasure out of it, or, or whatever it might be. However, you're, you're going to look at disobedience, but what happens, remember, that becomes a seed. And every seed grows, and pretty soon... That seed of disobedience stops the Holy Ghost involvement in your life. 
Now you can't be led by the Holy Ghost. What if you couldn't be led by the Holy Ghost? What if you could never show forth God and the results of his influence in your life to a world that doesn't know him? Certainly we would be at a great loss. Amen? Let's go to Judges 14, 5 through 9. This talks about a man. His name is Samson. Hallelujah. And he was a modern-day gridlock king. He had seven locks of hair. Then it says, Then Samson went down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to a vineyard of Timnah. And behold, a young lion roared against him. Wow. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would rend a kid. And he had nothing in his hands, but he told not his father or his mother of what he had done. Now let's go down to verse 16. So here we see the Spirit of the Lord came up on Samson. Somebody say, he came up on Samson. All right. And then it says, that's a wrong verse I wanted. Let's look at, go back to uh, verse 6. I'm sorry. And it says, The Spirit of the Lord came up on him, and he would and he ran, have rent a kid, and he had nothing in his hands, but he told not his mother's father what he had done. Next verse. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time he returned to take her, but he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. Next verse. And he too, he took thereof in his hands, and he went on eating and came to his father and his mother, and he gave them, and they did eat, and he told them not what, where he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. See now, what if Samson had not had God on his side? He certainly would have not come out victorious against the lion. Remember when Paul told Timothy, God hath delivered me out of the mouth of the lion? What do you think Paul was in obedience or disobedience? Obedience. Obedience. And then Paul tells us that many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, you're going to have many encounters with lions in your life, but you're not going to be able to overcome them on your own. But if you'll overcome them by living with God and walking for God, guess what? You'll end up tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. But so many people get bitter out of their battles instead of reaping the benefit of the sweetness of victory. Now, we also know that Samson went on, and pretty soon he ran into a woman called Delilah. She looked much like Phyllis, a knockout from the soles of her feet to the top of her colored hair. The wind blew in Delilah's face. Samson was like me, a man of God smitten beyond recovery. Pretty soon he started dabbling in disobedience. He started succumbing to her wiles, putting his head in her lap, starting to betray God and his vows. Three times she tempted him, and three times he told her secrets that would seem to reveal his weakness, but the last time he told the truth. 
if you'll cut my hair and cut my locks, I will have no strength. She did it. The third time when she wrote, she uh, yelled, Samson, the Philistines are upon us. He went to rise up. Like most Christians, he didn't even know that God had left him. Just subtly, every seed of disobedience, building a stronghold. And pretty soon they took Samson, gouged out his eyes. He became a blind man. Poor, wretched without God and didn't even know what he had done. Disobedience is so deceptive. So as many as us are led of the Holy Ghost, we will be anointed, we will overcome tribulations, persecutions, hardships, everyday battles that seem to be common in the pathways that we walk in. But if we don't, one of these days that disobedience is going to blind you and cause you to be so insensitive that you'll not even know that God has left. Wow. I don't want to be that man. Amen? And so, we want to make sure that we stay obedient. Could I get an amen? All right, let's go to Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark, the 14th chapter in verse 12. Mark 14, 12. And the first day of the unleavened bread, they killed the Passover. His disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare the Passover that we mayest eat it? And he sent them two of his disciples and said unto them, Go ye into the city, and there you shall meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherefore, ye shall go in where he goes in, and say unto the good man of the house, The master saideth, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room, furnished and prepared, and they made red, there make ready for us. Now, how did Jesus know this? How did Jesus know First of all, what city to go? What city to go? Wasn't he led of the Holy Ghost? Right. So he would have had to not restrain him, not resist him, not grieve him. He couldn't be in disobedience. Now, what about us if we didn't have that type of leading? Now, if you're living an obedient life, I'm telling you that God will show you where to go and when to go. Amen? Not only that, he'll show you who to speak to or who to connect with. Look for a man bearing a pitcher on his head. Now, that, I don't know if that was common. Somebody said, oh, that was weird. I don't know if it was or not. If he was married, anything was possible. And so... He was bearing a pitcher of water. And so, when we are led of the Spirit of God, first of all, He leads us to divine connections. Not only that, He shows us who to join ourselves with in fellowship. Let me say, you have to show yourself friendly, but you're going to have to live in obedience to God for God to connect other God people with you. 
Could it get an amen? Because a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. And God's not going to sacrifice an obedient Christian to a half-hearted Christian. Yep. And so God will show us who to become in relationship with David, that we can exchange ideas, that we can trust, that we can share our needs with, our direction with, and they will become instruments of God in our life. Too many of us have joined ourselves to wrong people. And don't you know that bad manners corrupt? Come on, good lifestyles? Amen. We don't make good people, bad people good. Bad people make good people bad. Amen. You say, oh, I'm stronger than that. You aren't stronger than what God said. Amen. Amen. And so the other thing is that he says, he tells us where to follow, and he tells us even this, what to say. What to say. Have you ever wondered what I should say? Well, God will give you what to say. God will lead us into the areas of what to say. Amen? And Jesus even said he's going to lead you into a large room. Had Jesus been out that night scoping the place out, making a deal with the man that was going to care? No. How did Jesus know that? He was led of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost in our everyday life. I remember one time we were building the other building, and they told us, you're going to have to have a sprinkler system. I said, I don't have money for a sprinkler system. They said, well, that's tough. The state has said it, and that's the way it's going to be. And I said, well, get me an audience with somebody. Let me go talk to somebody. And they said, you'll never get one, Pastor. He said, look, they just don't give them. A couple days later, I see the contractor in the office sitting there. And I said, what's wrong, Bill? And he said, I can't believe it. You told me they'd give you an audience, and, and they did. He said, I've never had that happen in all the years of my construction. I said, well, I told you God was for us. He said, well, I'm just telling you, it'll be a waste of time. I said, well, you know what, just, let, let's just go. So I went up there, and I was in the bathroom using the urinal, and I saw this man's face. And it wasn't a poster. It was a vision. In a urinal, by a urinal? Yes. In a urinal. And God said, this is who it's going to be. It's going to be a short man. He was a black man. And I'm going to give you favor with him. So I sat down. Sure enough, here he come. Short, shorter than me. I knew God had given me the advantage. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, sir, I'm building a church. I'm a preacher of the gospel. And I'm not asking you for any discounts, but I'm asking you to be reasonable with me. That I need this building built without a sprinkler system. That was that last building over there. He said, well, this is the church? I said, yes. And he said, you pastor there? Yes. He said, hi, I'm Evangelist Joe. I said, oh, God's on my side. I said, okay, Evangelist Joe. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I want you to tell me how long it takes to get from the fire department to your church. I said, okay. So I made sure that they were all awake and there and dressed and ready to get in the truck. No, I didn't. That's a joke. Anyway, so I timed it. Turned in the time to him and he said, you know what? That's really an acceptable response from a fire department. 
He said, you know what? We're going to waiver that. And you're not going to need a sprinkler system. God put the right man in the right place. God showed me who it was going to be. And God helped me talk. And guess what? I believe that old evangelist Joe got blessed. God prospered him. But I do know that God prospered us and blessed us. God used both of us. And God will reward both of them. See, God wants to help us. But we can't do it. He can't do it when we are walking in disobedience. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. All right. And then let's go to Matthew 17, 27. Hallelujah. I like this one. Two of my favorite things are involved in this. Matthew 17 and verse 27. And Peter's talking about there has been a tax demand put up on Jesus. And Peter doesn't have any money. Jesus doesn't have any money. And it says, notwithstanding, least we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast and hook. Take up the first fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. You know, God can meet every one of your needs. God can lead you to reservoirs of wealth that you and I are not even capable of imagining. Now, can you imagine finding money in a fish's mouth? Why couldn't you? It's hard to imagine. Why? Well, you don't never catch no fish. I could understand you wouldn't. But Steve... How, how do you know? You, you don't know. You never know what God can do and when God will do it. But I do know that if we are led of God, we will be in the right place. I remember one time I was fishing. Phyllis was with me. One of the rare occasions. And uh, I was fishing and I caught about a three-pound bass. Yeah. You remember that? At Indian Lake. Yeah. And I had an old plastic stringer, and I put it up through its gill. I put it through the ring, and I put it down here, and I was going to put it in the ground. And about that time, that bass took off running. Yeah. And everybody around the shore said, oh. And I thought to myself, oh, it's not what I'm wanting to say. But I kept casting, I kept fishing, and all of a sudden, I caught that little gold ring in that stringer, and I brought that same fish back to the shore. Now, see, if you're a blessed man, you can believe that. And if you're a cursed man, just go home brokenhearted. But, see, there is nothing impossible with God. Amen? Nothing impossible with God. I found a fishing pole one time floating, picked it up, there was a fish on it. I never took credit for it, but I kept the fishing pole. Now, listen, God can lead us in many ways and do Many things. Could I get an amen? amen. Dr. Obolo, you came to this nation by faith. Your mother said, go to America. She knew you were going to mount to nothing in Africa. So she sends you over to the land of the brave and the free, the land of opportunity. And here you come, and you are here, and you're applying for a college, right? You have a dream of becoming some doctor. You don't know which end or anything in between. You're just going to be a doctor. 
And you are about to get deported, aren't you? You are sitting in the office, and what does the guy say to you? Told me to wait. Told you to wait. I was waiting for hours. You were waiting for hours? Had no clue what was going to happen. Had no clue. But some people that were with me were praying. They were praying. The people that were with you were praying. And God gave them favor. And God gave them favor. And the lady became a short teacher. She said she'll take care of me. The lady said that she would take care of you. So they let you stay in the nation. And then you got enough finances? How? Well, each semester God made provision. Each semester God made provision. And your mother told you, you go. You didn't come with money. You came with faith. And your mother said, go. God will provide. She said that he who watches over Israel. He who watches over Israel. Neither slumbers nor sleeps. Neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he'd take care of you. And she committed you to him with no promise, no anything. You're just coming to America by faith. And now you're the leading brain surgeon. In, in what do you do? The other end. The other end. He's the leading other end. He is a leading urologist in our area. But hey, everybody thinks with different parts, right? So he's a leading, he's a leading brain surgeon. <laughs> All right. Now, now, God provided for him. God provided for him. He provided a wife for him in that city. He's seen a woman broke down, and he's pulled over to change her tire. And lo and behold... Did he, little did he know that she had flattened herself to get his attention. <laughs> he pulled in. She set her hooks in him. Hallelujah. And before he knew it, it was like a spider coming to dinner. Now, he wouldn't ever pull over four. Now, he'd just drive by and call her, Honey, what are you doing? I got a flat tire. Come on, Francis, I got a flat tire. He said, Call somebody. But when he was young, he seen a woman with a flat tire. He thought, there's hope. Little did he know, there's a spider weaving a net to catch him. Did you think that of dream of it, Steve? I'm not allowed to say. You're not allowed to say, okay. I knew when Steve started hanging around the lobby, I said, that guy volunteers an awful lot. They said, no, he comes to volunteer. All he does is sit out there and talk to the receptionist. He never gets anything done. He just says, I like being around the church. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then as soon as he married Dream, he never showed up to volunteer no more. I'll tell you what. All right. So now, okay, let's go to John 15. John 15, 26 to 27. We'll quickly wrap this up so we get it done today. For, uh, John 15, 26 to 27. Every... 15, yeah, 20, there you go. And when the Comforter is come, talking about the Holy Ghost, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And he shall also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, how are you going to hear from heaven if you live disobediently and the Holy Ghost is taken from you? 
To tell you how horrible this could be, David, the man after God's own heart, in Psalms 51, 11, cry out, God, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. The Bible says in John 16, 13, 14, and 15, that the Holy Ghost will come and he will show you things to come. You know, too many of us walk in darkness. We don't know what's going to happen. We aren't expectant what's going to happen. But the Holy Ghost wants to show us things to come. Not just what God's going to do, but what the enemy is going to do. Could I get an amen? Now, he will show us things to come, folks, so that we can intervene, so that we can pray, so that we can get ready. I remember when God showed Phyllis, and we were out in the ministry, that, you know what? You're going to go through a great time of famine. And Phyllis said, God, I, I need something to prepare. And so she went to work, and a guy was getting a divorce. And he said, my wife wants that freezer. We've got a brand-new freezer. got the papers in it. He said, I want to sell that right out from under her. And Phyllis said, how much do you want? He said, $100. We bought it for $100, bought a quarter or a half of beef, and we lived on hamburger for almost one year, didn't we? <laughs> hamburger in the morning, hamburger in the evening, hamburger at supper time. We had hamburger flat. We had hamburger with uh, spinach made into meatloaf. Don't try it. It doesn't work. Betty Crocker is a liar. And I'll tell you what, we had hamburger, 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 hamburger. What do we have for supper? Hamburger. What kind? It's just hamburger. We had hamburger for a year, year and a half. Were we thankful when that finally ran dry? Hallelujah. Now, God showed her what was going to come. And that seen us through, didn't it, fellas? It's seen us through. If that, we hadn't had that, we wouldn't have made it. We wouldn't have made it. But God used us because we are obedient. God will use you if you're obedient. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you, just like I have done. When I was studying this, I thought, God, you know, there are areas in my life that I'm, I'm not seeing and I'm not hearing. God... I ask you to forgive me of any disobedience that I have done. And I ask you to make me sensitive. And then I said these words, God, whatever you ask me, whatever I even think you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Amen. I'm going to do it. You have free access to my life. Speak to me anytime you want and just tell me what you want and I will do it. Now, I've challenged the pastors, the campuses to do the same. I want to be on target with God. I want my relationships to be ordained of God. I want my speech to be ordered of the Lord. I want to know where I need to end up. I want God to show me things to come. Amen? Amen. Now, that's what the Holy Ghost wants to do. But... If he's not having his free reign, it's not him, it's us. And so let's just get everything out of the way. And if you know things that God's asked you to do, you're going to have to do them. And don't do them begrudgingly, do them joyfully. Because in that obedience is freedom. In that obedience is blessing. In that obedience is an intimacy and communion with the Holy Ghost that we may have been missing. What if the Holy Ghost could not comfort us in our hardships? What if he couldn't get to us 
And he wanted to, but he couldn't because we had disobeyed God. This may seem hard or it may seem simple, but whatever it is, I'm asking you today just to pray and ask God to forgive you of every act of disobedience and to ask God to make you sensitive and aware of his voice and his leading. And if something comes to you, say, well, I'm not sure if it's the Holy Ghost. Don't risk it. Just do it. Amen? Don't risk it. Just do it. And so let's get back to the place that the Holy Ghost can flow in our life. I'm telling you, we're moving into an area that revival is going to happen in America. We're moving into an area where supernatural things are going to begin to happen. But God requires an obedient heart, a heart of purity, a heart that's not stiff, a heart that's not hardened, a heart that's not grievous, and a heart that's not governed by the lust of the flesh and the desires of the mind. Let's ask God to refresh us and renew us. Amen.